You have one new voicemail message. Message received nineteenth of September at six o seven p.m. Molly Bwandi and Kira Unpack. On this topic, I think that New Zealand women, actually four New Zealanders, are proud of our achievements、um, with this movement because if you think about the context,、um, female empowerment at the time really was. A big deal, which it really shouldn't have been, but it was,、um, and we were the first to lead the way with big nations such as the U.S. and the United States only following the movement. I think after the world first world war, so we really were a small island nation that led the way,、um, and we've continued to be trailblazers、um, with female empowerment. So I think it's something that we should be so proud of, and that we should continue to give ourselves a big、uh, pat on the back for all our achievements. Yeah, so those are my thoughts.、Um, yeah, talk soon and kakite. Fucking flawed, somebody. First article comes from Stuff, published on September nineteenth, two thousand seventeen. Now, this is one of those posts where they share a photo than a quote underneath. So it's the prototypical photo of Kate Shepherd that probably comes to mind when you hear me say this, with a caption underneath quoting Kate Shepherd. Do not think your single vote does not matter much. The rain that refreshes the parched grounds is made up. Of single drops, quote Kate Shepherd bars from、mm. Kate, telling people they should vote and not think that the individual vote doesn't matter. First comment comes from Marie. Come on, woman died for the right to vote. Don't discard such a privilege. Value your value and power. Vote, XO. And absolutely, Marie. I mean, voting is a democratic right that a lot of people around the world can't exercise. I'm born in Zimbabwe, and there have been issues with voting historically, where the voting's been rigged. People haven't been able to vote, so I completely agree with Kate saying that everybody should vote. Yeah, absolutely. But I feel like it's really foolish to say people died, and I, we we checked. We can't find anybody that like did. And it is. It does also relate to an idea that you brought up last episode: the idea that history is written by the victors. And for a long time, in this case. Mm. Men were victorious, not allowing women to vote. So, if women did die, it wouldn't have been in the men's best interest to write that into history. So, it's a case of not necessarily knowing. But yeah, I mean, people are obviously dying all the time, and many、yeah. people died for the cause. But it does speak to our notion of what we know of history and whether someone truly did die for the right to vote. Exactly, exactly. And like dying on the front line or dying on the right to vote, same things. However. Dying and then seeing that it hasn't actually come to fruition, I can understand why someone would be like, "We're dying for the right to vote." Yeah, hundred percent. Next comment comes from Jan. Still, Dragonian society with bias toward men. If I was male, Kaia would be able to live here, because Alistair was born in England and had New Zealand citizenship for forty years. Kaia is not allowed to live in NZ. Women still don't count. So. 
first off, dr- dr- Dragonian, I think, what Jan is meaning is Draconian, right? Yes, yeah. Draconian comes from the first ever legislator in ancient Greece, um, yeah. who was known for his legislations of heavy punishment for small offenses. People now use the term as, like, when there's something, like, excessively harsh. Um, yeah, like, of great severity is how oh, it's actually okay. defined. Yeah. Now... <laughs> Let's tr- let's honestly try break this down, maybe yeah. a bit of a family tree vibes, because we sat in the other room for the last ten minutes trying to figure out what Jan specifically meant with this. Yes. Because so Jan is not a male. That's what's said there. Okay. Kaya would be able to live here, so implying that they currently don't live in New Zealand. Right. Assuming that's where Jan is speaking from the perspective of. Yeah, you would, I mean, right, this is a stuff article, so I, yeah. I'd i hope so, right? Because Alistair was born in England, is Alistair the, maybe the partner? Maybe the Alistair's son? the partner? Okay. But that would make Kaya... Those the, two siblings. Yeah. If. Or, yeah, oh, okay, yeah, or Alistair, yeah, Alistair's either the partner and Kaya is the son, or... Man, this is confusing. Dan. And then had New Zealand citizenship for 40 years. Kaya's not. Yeah, I... Okay, so <laughs> if anybody can break this down, please let us know. We've sat here for 20 minutes, we're unsure. But in essence, look, Jan is getting to some really family stuff here. Talking yes. about the fact that maybe their child, their partner, isn't allowed to live here, which is pretty hard to yeah, read. Yeah, that, that, that's difficult. Now... Essentially, Jan is saying women still don't count. Look, many old colonial laws still treat men as the flag bearer. So regardless of where the woman is from, the man is the main passport and then gives the ability for their children to live in the country. Absolutely. Yeah. And we can we can see that not just in New Zealand, but like, yeah, other colonial countries. But just a little tidbit also on this comment. Jan really getting personal in the public comments. Yeah. Jan named what I believe to be her partner and her son maybe yeah and also their citizenship status (laughs) (laughs) bit odd yeah next comment comes from hans great that nz was the first country but south australia was the first place in the world to give women the vote now this is wait wait, 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 wait. before we even get there you at home what do you think when you heard that comment it sounds right doesn't it it really does. We hear of countries claiming things like for the first time all the time. Pavlova yeah. between Australia and New Zealand, land disputes in Asia and Europe, like since what, the 17th century. Yeah. You really believe South Australia was the first place, which means that they would have had to do it before 1893. Now, for all of you, you know, historical buffs out there, South Australia became a colony in 1836, mm-hmm. which gives it about what, like 63 years to enable the right for women to vote. 57. Thanks. That's all right. Thank you. <laughs> actually, is it actually? I think it is. Hold up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Yo, you Ooh, right. Bro, Whoa, honestly, my, my Mr. Stereo statistic name was about to go out. It was Holy. it was done for me, bro. Was I was rough, stressed. Man. I was, was, yeah, I was, was stressed. sweating. I was sweating. Because <laughs> I just said a number. I was hoping for you to I was hoping for you to correct me. Alright, what do you like what do you actually think? Do you think this is real? Like, like listen to the confidence in that comment though. Great that New Zealand was the first country, but South Australia was the first place in the world to give them to vote. I just, I don't know. I'm, a, I'm unsure. You're like, unsure? I think so. I th- I'm going to go yes. No. Fourth. Uh, it was the first colony in Australia, but no. South Australia was like the fourth place in the world. Okay. So I guess this really does speak to like ideas of misinformation and disinformation. Absolutely. Right? But how easily it can spread. Exactly. Because I guarantee some people listen to this at home. 
were literally going to take this on as knowledge and then tell this to their friend. Yo, I listen to this cool podcast called Unpack, and I actually found this out about South Australia. Yeah, they probably cut the podcast off. As soon yeah, as they, they do. They probably don't give like, us that credit though. So. Ah, new information. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Next comment comes from Lindsay. Your great day to upload my outside New Zealand vote. It's time for another strong woman, just like Auntie Helen. You hit the year so hard. I hit the year so hard, <laughs> and I assume that's exactly how Lindsay would have said it. Yeah, you know Lindsay saw this article. Yeah, year. <laughs> oh man, I mean, yeah, Lindsay's what uploading their vote, like many other New Zealand citizens across the world. Um, I didn't actually know you could upload your vote before this. Like I knew you could obviously vote from other countries, but I didn't know how it. Like Lindsay's implying, like a letter. I don't know. I thought it was mail. I can't lie to you. Is it mail? If you're anyway. listening to this, <laughs> please let us know how you vote. Yeah. Uh, but I like it makes sense though. Like Lindsay's comment does make sense with all the New Zealanders outside the nation that still follow the news and affairs of the country. I mean, of course they'd be wanting to cast their vote. I mean, look, some even listen to us, right? Exactly. I mean, when we realized that when we made our show that people outside of the country were listening to it, like it kind of gave them a bit of their slice of New Zealand. Right. But the second part of the comment is interesting. Mm-hmm. Comparing Jacinda Ardern to Auntie Helen, I'm not really sure I like that Auntie Helen thing. Yeah, that- I'm not sure if we're calling it Uncle John. So why are we calling mm, it Auntie Helen? Yeah. Like, I, I'm not, I'm just not sure about it. Uncle John feels weird. So I feel like Auntie Helen should also feel weird. Yeah, nah, yeah. I'm with you. Second article comes from Stuff. Published on September 6th, 2017. Headline states that Helen Clark named the third most powerful woman influencer in the world. The former New Zealand Prime Minister beat big names such as Oprah Winfrey and Michelle Obama to claim the third spot. Big names. Big names. First comment comes from a different Lindsay. I feel sick reading some of this. Legalizing prostitution as a job for young girls. Prime Minister, how is that morally good for the young? Bring back common sense and respect. Wake up, Kiwis. So, Lindsay seems to represent a piece of New Zealand that feels that prostitution should be kept illegal because of the kids. Now, we're not going to go into that because sex workers are creatives, writers, and podcasters in their own right, and I can guarantee you they have probably already spoken on this topic of for the kids, for the kids, for Absolutely. the kids. They've probably already spoken to a comment just like Lindsay's as well. Exactly. So we, we, we don't have to go in it. But in Lindsay's world, they feel as if this move is against, quote, common sense and respect, and then we need to what, wake up? Hold on. Did you say common sense? Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Beyond the Comment, a game show where we take you <laughs> beyond the comment. Now, this question... What is common sense? Where does it come from? Option A, we are born with it. Option B, mm-hmm. we inherit it from our parents. Mm-hmm. Option C, we learn it over the years of life. Oh, or option D, it's a concept because who defines what is common? Like we hear things like this all the time in natural conversation during the day, like, oh, that's just common sense. And it really places the whole, I'm smarter than you in this topic and this should be basic knowledge that you should know. So Kai. Is it option A, B, C, or D? Uh, You pretty much gave it to me. Without a doubt, it's B. Wait, what? Okay, it is obviously option D. Look, there are these things like English language and arithmetic that get labeled as common sense when we're younger, but that 
bubble slowly grows bigger. And in this case, apparently common sense involves making prostitution illegal. Look, we've all had that moment. It's the stuff quiz at work. Mm. A question gets asked and everyone's like, oh, how did you not know it? Look, common sense is what an individual person defines it as. And in this case, for Lindsay, this is common sense. Now for me and a lot of the country, uh-uh, it's not. Next comment comes from Sue. Congratulations, Helen. A wonderful achievement. I still feel embarrassed by how you were treated by the politicians in opposition at the time, but it didn't stop you in your path. Well done. A great role model. Now, this is wild because we weren't, you hadn't arrived in the country. Mm -hmm. I had only just arrived in the country towards the back end of Helen's time and power. But we still know that Helen went through the absolute ringer as a politician. Without a doubt. And we weren't even interested in politics that much, right? I was 12. I was not. (laughs) We even went back in time to see some newspaper clippings um, to see how Helen Clark was actually treated. Yep. In 2008, there was a campaign that had a bumper sticker of Ditch the Bitch in the Far South that was observed. Wow. Yeah. And look, there was a bit of that and probably a lot of that. And you think, how pathetic, really. But when you've been in government a long time, things start to accumulate. The series of grievances get bigger and bigger. And it comes to a point where, unfortunately, they will overwhelm the other things you do and the other things you stop. Absolutely. And it's so it's so sad that Helen Clark had to just put up with this and just head down. Just continue on, on going. Yeah, that's. That's terrible. I mean, we think about things like, you know, workplace bullying. And yeah. then you, like, you think about politics where someone's literally got a bumper sticker saying, ditch her. Yeah. Not ditch her either in the in the, in the the foul way possible, you know? Like, yeah, I, I take my hat off to her, but that is unbelievable. Yeah. Next comment comes from Fifi. This is a long one, so strap in. Ooh, all right. OMG, this woman was the closest thing we ever had to a dictator. That's why she was voted out. And John Key gave her respect to resign before his celebratory speech. Remember her anti-smacking law? Her light bulb laws? She is who signed up for the TPPA, seabed in foreshore, caused rifts in her government, short memories. As well as the brain drain and record New Zealanders leaving New Zealand. Look, I told you to strap and Kai get loose, freshen up. This is a big one, so let's break it down bit by bit. For those who weren't aware, the anti-smacking law commenced in 2007. Sounds self-explanatory, but in a social context, there were cases of parents who had disciplined their children using a riding crop in one case, and a rubber hose in another, Mm. who were not convicted because of the legal justification of reasonable force. Now, when the law was changed in 2007... Some proponents of the change said it would stop cases of abuse from slipping through the gaps and reduce the infant mortality rate. Was this Helen Clark? Nope. No. Oh. It was a private member bill introduced by Sue Bradford, actually. Um, but l- let's go back into the comment. Her light bulb laws. Now, yep. this is a wild one to pull out. They wanted to ban incandescent light bulbs and regulate shower heads, which led to complaints that they were interfering mm-hmm. too much in people's lives, which you get it. You don't want the government coming into your shower telling Be you like, how to shower. Mm. Nah, it's a, bit, it's a bit much. Once again, a bill supported by the Greens. The TPPA, as we've already covered in other episodes, was a massive debate in ownership of land and resources. 
how much we're really worth as New Zealand, and it was an agreement that was first tackled in Helen Clark's government. Phoebe's comment also goes on to say about the, the brain drain and a bunch of other things that we can't really blame Helen for, can we? I mean, we're seeing the brain drain now in 2022. Yeah, look, anytime I go onto social media, LinkedIn in particular, a lot of the comments are, thank you, insert X company here for the last three years. I'll be traveling in Europe for insert X amount of months before heading down to London. Yep, as you can see, I've recited this. I've seen so many posts. People, please don't leave. This is this is also off script. You just went, I love <laughs> that was on top of your head. Absolutely. But like, we can't blame Helen Clark for much of that, can we? I mean, like, yes, Helen was in power there. But yeah. it's so interesting that all of this is pushed against her legacy which she prefaces with, she's a dictator. Now, this kind of emulates the US more in a way, where we blame the leader of a political party a lot more for the decisions that are made. Look, of course, Helen was the face of the Labour Party and the government at the time, but we need to understand that Helen is one cog of a massive machine. And you see this more and more, especially with somebody like Jacinda as well. But I mean, in saying that, regulating the shower heads and banning certain yeah. light bulbs... That goes to our DIY culture, my bro. Yeah, that is true. That is true. Don't touch my light bulbs or shower heads or fence. Exactly. I mean, I don't even know what light bulb I have, but hey, don't you get your hands on it. Don't you dare touch that fence outside that I didn't put up. (laughs) (laughs) Next comment comes from Shens. We should all be proud of her. Helen has represented our country amazingly. All politics aside, I would be shocked if anyone disagreed. So look... Helen went on to become a figure in the United Nations, a large one at that. I mean, in this article we're unpacking, the headline says she's the third most powerful woman influencer in the world. Absolutely. And it's it's not easy being an influencer. I'm talking like I'm an influencer. Well, hold yeah. on. Hold hey, on. bro, no, no tell no. us. Yeah. Tell- My brother, it is not easy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let alone a politician turned influencer. Sheen's comment when they say politics aside is kind of, it's it's real weird. Because, like, <laughs> it's been politics for most of her career. Exactly. That's like kind of us like being like getting on a podcast and being like, hey, yo, podcasting aside, we're the greatest duo since Shaq and Kobe. <laughs> it's like, we can't do that. And we'll be back after a little ad break. Hey, uh, it's Sharitha from Manchester, and I'm here to tell you guys why I became a Patreon. Uh, I became a Patreon about two years ago. Um, because I wanted to support a up-and-coming homegrown podcast, you know, that was tackling such important issues in New Zealand and New Zealand media. You know, these guys are so consistent with their content and um, their episodes. They, you know, they're always looking to improve with their content and with their research. And I just love that I'm always learning something new. Every time I listen to these guys, um, you know, I find them quite an important part of my morning routine now, whether I'm going to the gym in the morning or commuting to work, I always find myself listening to them. Um, and, you know, if anyone's looking to support Unpack, you know, I highly recommend you, yeah, becoming a Patreon and supporting Unpack. And on that note, I hope you enjoy this episode. Next article comes from a US page the Feminist News Page. There's no headline, but this was published on March 26th, 2021. So like the Kate Shepard photo before, this is an image uh, that is quoted with this. New Zealand just approved a new measure allowing for paid leave after miscarriage. The legislation is believed to be among the first in the world, 
applying to couples who lose a baby at any point. Now, the image is of Jacinda Ardern looking relatively smugly in the middle of the photo, sitting down, and behind her, we see Clark Gayford, her partner, and then a slew of what we assume to be other New Zealand male politicians. Hey, great rendition of the photo. Hey, thanks. You really painted that picture for me. That Thank is, you. Hmm. First comment comes from Janice. Will never happen in this country. Women and family are not that important. Now, given the fact that this is on a US page, we're assuming that Janice is talking about the USA. Now, could this ever happen there? Well, the United States is a little bit weird. Sure, there are like constitutional laws that all states must abide by, but states are literally sovereign states, like yeah. territories. So while they're part of this big country, which is just an idea, kept in by borders, um, they can actually have their own laws in certain states and guidelines to abide by. So yeah. saying that it's going to happen in the United States, no. Nah. Yeah, and this is also, I mean, we're recording this in a timeline where there's a lot of conversations about abortion law in the states as well. So Absolutely. that can be seen as an example of something which will be applied differently as different states choose um, what legislation they want to use. Next comment comes from SB. This is huge. It recognizes the trauma of loss, treats mental well-being as important to overall health, and recognizes that the issue of miscarriage, like birth, affects all parents. Other countries should follow suit. I mean, look, trauma of loss is massively underlooked and also something that a lot of people don't recognize in time. But this isn't the first time this has happened in history either. Like it continuously happens to women. We've overlooked their mental well-being, their health and safety, their social well-being in a world that, yeah, we've designed for men for the most part, right? Mm, so this is much overdue and legislation that should have been in place for a long time. Absolutely. Next comment comes from Dean. I think the idea is one of compassion, but there are often people who will try to manipulate it and that could lead to some issues. Mm. So you were saying before that you don't like to be the cynical person? Hey, shout out Dean. Dean's got you. Yeah, I was about to say, thanks Dean for coming in with a <laughs> cynical outlook. Jeez. Yeah, look, now this cynical outlook is absolutely emphasized by Dean. Dean thinks that there are people who will manipulate this and that could lead to some issues. Look, manipulating a law that is concerning miscarriage is utterly morbid and horrible. horrible. We're not even going to give that thought the time of day on our platform. You're right. But how many laws have we manipulated in the past? Look, jaywalking, parking tickets, manipulating in terms of white collar crimes. And each law should theoretically be made out of compassion for the society and ultimately may be manipulated by anyone that is acting with selfish intent. So I don't think the idea of manipulation should have stopped this law being put in place. Bang on. Next article comes from the New Zealand Herald and was published on January 21, 2017. The headline states, Kiwis march for women's rights in wake of Donald Trump's inauguration. The tagline, almost the entire length of Queen Street was filled with marches, including many families. First comment comes from Jeff. Jeff says, I'm all for women's rights, but all of a sudden Trump is being blamed. Yet before the election, nothing was ever said. Go figure. Don't be a sheep. <sighs> Bro, I'm tired, man. 
You actually can't write this stuff. I'm tired. We couldn't write this. If like if anybody thought that we had fabricated comments, this would be the one. I'm tired, bro. I'm all for women's rights. But, but bro, <laughs> yo. What are you doing? I think a new unpacked law would be read your comment out in a room of 10 people. And if one person gives you the stank face and you know the exact face I'm talking about, Rethink it. Rethink it. Delete it. Apologize and move on. Look, we could fill a whole podcast with some of the misogynistic things Donald Trump has said in his life and a part two with what he said during his presidency. But that's not what we are here for today. Next comment comes from Elisa. People have the right to peaceful process, unlike the anarchists on display yesterday. But although marches may bring awareness, I'm not sure whether they're effective. It seems these events are more for solidarity or one big group hug. What is up with the butts today? Look, Elisa does have a good point, right? Okay, go, go on. For many people, a protest or occupational protest is a community coming together in anger, love, compassion, essentially solidarity. Okay. Marches and protests do bring solidarity, but they're effective in the sense of bringing people together. The big group hug thing is a bit weird, but we kind of understand the point that Elisa is making. I get, yeah, I, like I, it's effective, right? Like whether Elisa realizes the mission of the protest or not, it's much more than finding your community or finding solidarity, right? It's showcasing whatever or whoever you're protesting against. They come out in what numbers? And you're forced to be reckoned with. I mean, just last episode, we were talking about Greenpeace being a, a terrorist organization. Yep. You know, they, they just show up in numbers. 100%. That's that's the only reason why they're labeled as that. And that truly shows you that it is more than just a big group hug because the UK government thinks they are a terrorist organization. So it speaks to the power of a protest. Next comment comes from Marcus. I guess they're now busy planning a big march against female oppression in Saudi Arabia for next weekend. Or was that last weekend? Okay, Marcus, a great point, but also a really bad point. Yeah, you better break this down, otherwise we're going to be in trouble. So why is it that when women's rights is protested, it means that, oh, if you care about that, you have to care about this too. Yeah. Like, I understand that Marcus is trying to say, you know, like you have to, you know, if female oppression over here, female oppression over here... But you can't be overwhelmed as it comes to every atrocity in the world. It's physically impossible for you to speak on every single atrocity in this world. And I think it's a farce to think that women can't protest their rights or their safety without being checked again and again for what they're standing for. Look, as two black men, we've constantly been checked in what we show up for and what we don't. And it is utterly exhausting. Look, we understand at times when there are things that we may miss that we need to show up more for. But constantly checking women for, oh, you didn't show up for that, so you, what are you saying, is ultimately trash. Absolutely, and it's so unrealistic. We're not all of us have these massive, what, compasses of, like, just moral stability. Exactly. Sometimes we're going through some things. Yeah. And I can't show up for this. Next comment comes from Jordan. Official White House press release from President Trump. <laughs> Sorry, guys, we had a good run. But there's a woman's march in Auckland, so I'm going... To have to retire. Do you really think Kate Shepard thought that when she campaigned? Wilhelmina Bain, Annie Schnackenberg, Kate Shepard, Margaret Sievright, Anna Stout, 
and Ada Wells. In 1896, they campaigned that all disabilities be removed, which at present hinder women from things like being elected or appointed at any public office or position in the colony which men may hold, and with regard to all powers, rights, duties, and privileges of citizens to declare absolute equality to be the law of the land for both men and women. Which is something that the world is still fighting for, right? And I mean, on the global scale, we're applauded with Helen Clark, Jacinda Ardern, yeah. and Kate Shepard. Now, we're still fighting that fight, but we can be proud as a nation of how far we've led the way on a global scale. You're absolutely right. Like We are still fighting this fight, and I feel like there are so many things that New Zealand is doing. Like As, as we're recording this podcast, the women out there are on the front lines for yeah. their own rights. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have women and indigenous wahine that are on the front lines of these fights locally and abroad. Fucking floor is somebody. One new voicemail message. Message received 10th of December at 12pm. What's up, I'm Pat Fano. Pehiana. For myself, it's all about putting that indigeneity on the big stage, eh? With powerhouses like... <laughs>